Hey everyone, I'm Dan Cortler, the host of TED Climate. Each episode, we unpack the problems and solutions of climate change. This season of the show, we're getting into some big ideas that make us optimistic about the future, like meat grown from cells and leather made from mushrooms. And the best part? We look at how building a greener future can be an upgrade instead of a sacrifice. Find and follow TED Climate wherever you're listening to this. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Laura Lynch, and you're listening to What on Earth? I know this is the time of year when color springs to life. Flowers in vivid bloom, trees in bud, lawns and fields verdant. Spare a thought then for today's topic. Something that in reality is colorless, but that's touted as a savior of sorts in the fight against climate change. We see hydrogen having enormous potential. Um, We think it can play an increasingly important role over the next decade even. Hydrogen, a clean burning fuel. For oil and gas rich places like Alberta, a potential economic savior because it can be made using natural gas. This is Canada's big play when it comes to the climate challenge, taking what we have in abundance and adapting it to meet the world's needs using cutting edge technology. In fact, hydrogen has become so popular as a climate busting gas, it's now got a coat of many colors. There is the so-called gray hydrogen created by burning fossil fuels. Then there's blue hydrogen, again made with fossil fuels, but some emissions are captured and stored away. And then green hydrogen made from renewables and the cleanest of all. So what color is Team Canada wearing? Here's a hint from the federal minister in charge of the hydrogen strategy. But I'll be very, very clear about this. If the end goal for some people is to shut down the fossil fuel industry, then no, they won't be happy with what I'm proposing. Seamus O'Regan choosing blue and green. Stay tuned for why he won't make everyone happy as we color in the picture of hydrogen in the fight against climate change. There's a lot of buzz about hydrogen, and many agree it will be part of our energy future. I'm the director of clean economy at the Pembina Institute, and I run the clean economy program, uh, working on energy issues more broadly and looking at how we're going to meet our climate target. That's Tara Jutt. She walked me through how hydrogen, one of the most abundant molecules on Earth, can be a source of energy. You can use it as a a battery for the energy can be stored as hydrogen, either liquefied or in a gas, and then you can convert it to other sources. But the best way to think about it is if you're you're producing hydrogen and you're looking at a, a wind farm or solar farm, you're getting that electricity, you're creating hydrogen, you can use the excess electricity to store it as hydrogen as a battery. And then you can use it later when you need it. So in terms of electricity, you can equalize the grid, you can compress it, you can liquefy it, you can move it around. It sounds like an all-purpose clean energy molecule, is it? Yes, it can be, depending on how it's produced. Well, let's get into that then. We're going to start to talk about colors now. (laughs) There's there's gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen, green hydrogen. Tell us what all of those different colors actually mean. Sure. So traditionally, we've had a lot of gray hydrogen, and we still have a lot of gray hydrogen. And what that means is it's derived from fossil fuel, primarily natural gas, and then it is converted through a a process uh, called steam methane reforming primarily to hydrogen. But there's no carbon capture. Blue hydrogen is using the same process, 
but now you're adding some carbon capture on the process to reduce the carbon intensity of the hydrogen. And then green hydrogen is produced from renewable electricity, wind, solar, hydro, in some cases, you are splitting the water <laughs> using the, uh, the renewable electricity to split the water. So you have a very low uh, or carbon neutral impact. Hydrogen that's currently produced in Canada is what, all gray, you said? It's mostly gray. We do have a, a small percentage of blue hydrogen that's being produced, um, but primarily globally, uh, gray hydrogen is, is the most uh, prevalent form. And what about green hydrogen in Canada? It's emerging. Um, we're seeing some projects come online or, or be or in the planning processes. Um, but we're still, uh, I think, early stages on green. Then let's talk about what, what hydrogen is used for. What's it used for across the country? In Canada right now, uh, it's mostly used in oil and gas industry use uh, as a chemical and as, as fertil in fertilizer production. So we have some limited use in, in vehicles as well, but those are kind of the new, the smaller scale uses that we're developing, but primarily the, the use has been in oil and gas. So as you look at, at the hydrogen landscape, if it were across Canada, I'm wondering, even once we have green hydrogen, if we have it in abundance, what do you say is the best way to use that in Canada? And I guess there's still a lot of research and study being done on, on what are the highest and best uses of hydrogen. So there's potential for using hydrogen in, in places where you would have used fossil fuel. So in industry... Uh, for processes that need high heat, iron, steel, cement making, um, those are very carbon intensive industries. And if you can substitute low carbon hydrogen, green hydrogen in those areas, um, it will make a climate impact that's measurable. Heavy duty transportation looks like it could be a candidate for, for switching to hydrogen in the, in the longer term. You know, there's also the potential for, for blending hydrogen into natural gas as a way to decarbonize that energy system. Green hydrogen would obviously have a, a bigger impact in decarbonizing any system um, than other forms, although we don't know what uh, the final mix is going to look like. And when you're talking about heavy transportation, what are you talking about exactly? Is it trucking or is it more than that? It could be trucking, um, you know, uh, tractor trailer trucks for long haul. It could be trains. Uh, we know in Europe, hydrogen is seriously being considered and being piloted with passenger trains, different forms of uh, marine transport, and even using hydrogen to produce synthetic fuels for aviation and, uh, and, and other, other forms of transport. So there's a lot of potential there. And I think a lot of research is being done to see where the applications could be best. Yeah, I was um, going to ask impactful. you, do, do you know how easy it is, um, how easy hydro is hydrogen to transport as a fuel? And, and there's also a lot of work being done on this. Traditionally, we've had pilots that have shown, you know, in, in BC, we've had, you know, transportation, we've had buses that have been piloted on hydrogen. Um, most of that hydrogen has come in form of compressed hydrogen or liquefied hydrogen. That can be quite cost intensive. And so it, it depends where the hydrogen is produced. It can be transported by pipeline. It can be liquefied. It can be put on trucks. It can be converted into other energy sources and, and converted back. There's a variety of methods that can be used. The question is, how far are you away from the source of the production? And do you have the infrastructure to move it? So, so much of what we're talking about right now is about the promise of hydrogen and the ideas about how it could be used, but it's not out there being used in the way you want it to. So what needs to happen next in Canada to make this a reality? 
I think there's a whole systems approach needs to, I mean, first of all, we have to know how we're going to use it and, and where it's going to be produced. Just in terms of what has to happen, we need to have infrastructure, we need to be able to have facilities to produce hydrogen, we have to be able to have end uses for that hydrogen, and being able to to look at it from a regulatory point of view, having standards on you know the carbon intensity of the hydrogen, are you diverting it to the best uses? I mean, it. I think what we're we're saying is that because hydrogen is difficult or it's it's not in abundant supply yet, we don't know how much we will be producing, and and it really would require a transformation of our whole energy system to accommodate this. So we've talked about the how and the what of hydrogen. Canada's laid out the hydrogen strategy. Do you think it has enough detail in your mind on those two fronts? I think what we have to see is is a clear signal from government on you know what the investment is going to look like in this and how how investments are really targeted to reducing our carbon emissions. We see in the strategy that there's an acknowledgement that we have to increase the amount of low carbon hydrogen over time. Having that quickly is quite important to, to meeting our targets. So increasing renewable content is important. Having super high capture rates for carbon if we're going to use um, natural gas as a feedstock is important. Reducing emissions upstream from natural gas if we're producing blue hydrogen is important. It's really setting up the infrastructure to support hydrogen economy. And I think the strategy touches on all those points, um, but we really have to develop the technology to use the hydrogen as well as to produce it. In terms of having policies in place that encourage the development of lower carbon fuels, things like the low carbon fuel standard are important and having regional cooperation between provinces is also important to ensure that what's happening in one province is seamless with what's happening in another because we're going to be, we have to create synergies across the country. All right. Thank you so much for talking to us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much. So as you heard, how hydrogen should be made and what it's best suited for are still big questions as the world considers new uses for something that's actually been around for a while. Alana Nachu is preoccupied with just who can benefit from this expanded fuel frontier. She's the mayor of Sturgeon County and the chair of Alberta's Industrial Heartland Association. She wants her region to become a hydrogen hub. Mayor Nachu, hello. Hello, Laura. We have heard a lot about job losses and layoffs in oil and gas in Alberta over the last few years. I'm wondering what that's been like for you and the people living in Sturgeon County. It's It's been a struggle. Uh, obviously, when we start reaching double-digit unemployment numbers for a number of years now, it, it takes its toll. And we're also a large agriculture community. So often, uh, off-farm income would be derived through the upstream oil and gas industry. So the downturn there specifically has been very challenging as well as some of our uh, medium-sized industrial parks that would have served that upstream market have uh, had severe contractions in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, we all I think we all understand that people are losing jobs in the oil and gas industry, but what, what other kinds of jobs are being lost? Well, the majority of, uh, of employment in and around the heartland are largely, uh, well, I think we have 12,000 people employed and with almost 50% of those employed in the chemical manufacturing industry. So, you know, fertilizers and refining and, uh, as, as I said, chemical manufacturing. So you know, 20% of those people employed 
are also involved in uh, rail transportation. So uh, when there's fewer commodities to, to move, that, that has an effect as well. You must be talking to these people. I'm wondering what they're telling you about how difficult it is to find a new job once they've been laid off. There's definitely, you know, fear and frustration. And I think, uh, you know, in the last few years, what we're all wanting is some certainty. And it just seems like the rules are constantly changing, whether it's through, you know, plans or pandemics. We do have a highly skilled labor force and, uh, and they're involved in, you know, uh, power engineering, uh, power systems, civil engineers, um, industrial mechanics, millwrights. So um, those folks would like to be able to stay around here and, and work as much as possible. But if that's not possible, there certainly needs to be some uh, plan in place to be able to support them in being able to pivot. Well, let's talk hydrogen then. Is hydrogen, in your view, a savior? Well, I think it is an important tool in our toolbox. I like to say it's the smallest molecule, but Canada's largest common denominator. Because whether you're going to be using natural gas to make blue hydrogen here, or whether you're going to be using hydro in Quebec or, uh, or BC to make green hydrogen, in the end, it's, it will become the same fuel. So whether you use it to, to uh, run heavy industry or cement, steel, uh, transportation, it matters not necessarily how you use it. What matters is making sure that it has a low carbon intensity and that in the end we have, uh, you know, this, this common um, energy system that can be used and uh, hopefully exported because there's a, uh, up to a $12 trillion market out there that we'd really like to be a part of. As you already mentioned, hydro, hydrogen can be made in, in different ways, um, either green or blue, um, and sometimes other colors, which I don't want to get into here. But uh, for, for the hub that you see in this region that you're talking about, would solar and wind be part of the hydrogen equation there? There's no reason why it couldn't be. And in fact, there's a number of, uh, of uh, solar installations that have taken place through the region and several others that are being contemplated. So there is no reason uh, why there couldn't be, you know, all hands on deck, to be quite honest, to be able to tie into uh, that, that energy grid. But I would never say no to the future. And it's clear that uh, there's future in renewables. There's, there's also perhaps a future in antimatter. We don't know what's coming. But what we do know is we need to sit down, we need to get engaged, we need to be very uh, strategic as to where our investments go. We need to scale up appropriately. Uh, but there's got to be a level of uh, collaboration that takes place. And what, what would the hydrogen hub mean for all the laid off workers in your region? Well, I think any time that you have uh, access to a new and growing market, you know, there's uh, uh, 72 countries have pledged to net zero emissions by uh, 2050. So by developing a hydrogen economy in this region, we can win economically and environmentally. Um, by making low carbon hydrogen. So I'm sure most of the people who've been facing a great deal of uncertainty um, that have been in the oil and gas industry would, would applaud having some certainty and applaud having a plan that they understand and that they understand how it impacts them.
And I know one of the concerns we have right now around carbon tax, even with our agriculture producers, is you know the, the cost of uh, of grain drying and the cost of uh, of diesel and the cost of heating some of the the large buildings that they have. You know, there's not a lot of wiggle room for them and their margins because they don't get to set their price. The market sets their price, and so these additional costs of of carbon tax you know continue to erode at their margins. And as I said, that's a, a large component of Sturgeon County is agriculture. We've got, you know, class one productive uh, soil here, and we'd like for people to be able to continue to make a living in agriculture production, but we need to be able to also help them protect their margins. And so by working through the hydrogen hub and development of, of new um uh, ways to be able to move hydrogen and and get it out to people, whether they're in rural communities or in cities wanting to uh, uh, fill up their their car or their heavy haul transport or their bus. Uh, those are those are all places that we have to sit down and, and put our heads together and figure out what works. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw you that day. I, I saw the big the big announcement in December about the Canada's new hydrogen strategy. Um, you were part of that. I'm wondering if the strategy is all that you were hoping for. I think the strategy is a great start. Uh, what I'm hoping for and what I'm pleased to see has been uh, collaborative conversations and alignment of of some important policies between all levels of government. So it's a good start. Does Alberta need any help or does your region need any help from the federal government in order to make things happen? I, I've been pleased with um, with the collaboration that, that I've seen and heard about through our energy minister, uh, Savage, and uh, obviously uh, Minister uh, Oregon. Uh, so you know, I think we're, we're getting off on the right foot. There's There's been some, you know, I think issues in the past, but for the most part, people are, I think, tiring of the polarization that we see. Are you tiring uh, and, and of it? I'm, you... <laughs> I'm, I'm a very solution-based uh, person. And so I just, you know, uh, yes, we have differences, but let's focus on, on building some trust and some solutions where we have common ground you know, this is an all hands on deck issue because there is a cost to this transition and it needs to be manageable uh, for the folks on the ground. And you, you spoke about the other levels of government, um, but y as you mentioned, you're, you're closest to the people on the ground. Being a mayor, you are there with them. And I'm wondering in that position, what would it mean to you to see the people in Sturgeon County getting jobs in hydrogen? That's that's really important. I mean, it. Uh, I think that's what we're here to do. Um, we need to be able to create the appropriate environment for the market to flourish, and and that's uh, that's where the struggle is right now. But it would be very uh, satisfying. I'd feel like my public service uh, had actually, you know, been just that uh, by doing the work that I can. Because if it, if, you know, if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Um, so, so I, I'm pleased to see the group uh, 
groups of people that are coming to the table to have these conversations and they're not easy ones. It's especially hard to have if you leave it too long and people are backed into a corner and they're in a, a place of uh, fight or flight. And then the Prairie Provinces, uh, I'm from Saskatchewan originally, so I've got family back there. Um, and yeah, it's, it is, it is a scary thing, especially I think when you feel like perhaps you're somehow being personally attacked for the role you've played mm. uh, in markets, which it's not personal, but I think that's often how people internalize it. So we're just, I'm looking forward to having these conversations and giving people some hope because they really do need that. And this isn't just an exercise in, in blue sky and comfort. This is an exercise for Sturgeon County, you know, we're a hundred years old, um, 102 years old now. So it's my responsibility, I think, to plan for the next 102 years. And this is work that has to take place to be able to do that. Mayor, I thank you so much for your time. You as well. Bye-bye. Paper or plastic? Oh, I forgot my own bags. Um, plastic. No, wait, paper. Hang on, which one's better? I don't know. Don't stress, Neil. The podcast Living Planet is here to help. We know you want to do what's right for the planet, but you're busy and you have to make a thousand small decisions every day. So we endeavor to answer what's better. Cotton or polyester? Tea or coffee? For answers to these environmental conundrums and your questions, subscribe to Living Planet wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get back to those colors for a moment, gray, blue, and green. In reality, one color dominates. On average, 99% of what's produced around the world is gray hydrogen, and that, as we know, emits CO2. The consensus seems to be hydrogen, especially blue and green, is key to getting emissions down. But look more closely, and there are shades within that spectrum that expose concerns and disagreements. Our producer, Molly Siegel, explains. Hydrogen can be a bit elusive. It's a slippery molecule. It uh, can escape quite easily. Or slippery, like Tara Jett says. So why are people hedging bets on something that's so tricky to handle and emits carbon when it's made? The trick may be going from gray to blue to green hydrogen. The challenge? Actually getting there. From money to research to testing. And before all of that, the question is also, what do we even want to use it for? Jut cautions, we need to be strategic. I think we need to make that decision now on how and where we're going to use it, for what uh, purposes. Many think the leap from gray to blue is a good bridge to get to green hydrogen. Walter Merida is an associate professor of mechanical engineering at the University of British Columbia. He's also on the board of directors for the Canadian Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Association. I guess it's a natural thing, perhaps, to start with a so-called blue hydrogen, in which carbon capture is a, an essential part of that chain, because Canada is very rich in fossil resources. But look internationally, and there's way more buzz about green. Raffaele Piria works for the German think tank Adelphi. He recently co-wrote a report that looks at hydrogen in Canada, including the federal strategy. It is very surprising from, from a European point of view that in that strategy, for example, there is hardly any talk about the potential for renewable energy production because that's exactly the focus of the European debate. Piria says Canada's strength may actually be in green. Remember, that's the stuff created using renewable electricity, 
like wind, solar, or sometimes hydro. And Piria says some provinces like Alberta have huge potential for solar energy. But the main color in Canada's hydrogen strategy? Blue. Blue hydrogen comes with substantial emissions. It is not climate neutral. And Piria points out other issues, methane leaks and potential leakage of buried carbon. There's also what's called upstream emissions, things like extraction and transportation. That's why for many, like Walter Merida... Green hydrogen is the ultimate goal. I mean, the only way that hydrogen is really going to make a difference is if the entire life cycle uh, emissions uh, are zero. Merida is on board for zero emissions hydrogen. For him, it's central to our energy future. But so far, decarbonizing our fuel has inched along, from coal to oil to natural gas, over hundreds of years. Merida says, with Canada's 2030 and 2050 climate targets, we're running low on time. We have a a very short window for the transition to happen. In Canada, we mostly use grey hydrogen in oil refineries, fertilizer and steel manufacturing. But Merida imagines a world beyond that. Clean hydrogen for buses, cars, ships, and even fuel for planes. Right now, it's cheaper to make hydrogen the blue way than the green way. Merida thinks that can help us get a head start on research, testing, and even creating a demand for what's possible with hydrogen made from renewables. Sarah Petrovan also sees the promise. She's Clean Energy Canada's policy director. Yes, it can play an important role in Canada, but it's not going to happen automatically or on its own. It is going to take places where you can test out real-world demonstration. How does this work? So that's one question. The other question is, who foots the bill? According to research by Clean Energy Canada, countries like South Korea, Germany, France, Portugal, they're all leading the charge with government funding. Meanwhile, here in Canada... Petrovan and Merida say we risk being left behind. Canada can't take a pacifist approach to just sort of wait for the world to happen around them. The world is not standing still and that we need to keep an eye on what the rest of the world is doing so that we ensure that Canada continues to play a leading role. The person in charge of the federal government's hydrogen strategy is Seamus O'Regan. He's the Minister of Natural Resources. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. We have been talking about quite a color palette in the midst of preparing this program. So I have to ask you, gray, blue, or green, what's your favorite color? Ah, so difficult to choose, but it would definitely come down to blue and green. You know, the overriding priority is to lower emissions. That's what we're aiming for. And green for regions like Quebec and Newfoundland and Labrador, where you've got a lot of hydroelectric capacity, that green is ideally suited to those regions, to those provinces. But Minister, if I go by the strategy that that you released, it it seems that your favorite color is blue Um, between now and 2030. It seems very central to things. Why is that so? It is indeed, without shame or hesitation. Because blue, we've got a lot of the infrastructure and we have the natural gas. So it's something that we can start working on now. Green is also something that we can start working on right now. Blue is, for us, uh, more cost competitive than green is at the moment. But it really, it fills a niche for us, a very, very important one, 
um, where electric, where elect, basically simple electrification won't work. Heavy duty industrial projects, maritime shipping, uh, 18 wheelers, freight, trains. These are all big emitters. Uh, hydrogen may help us get to that that happy place where um, they are they were fueled by a non-emitting power source. But blue is important because of the amount of natural gas that we have, particularly in the West, and because of the infrastructure. And, and other jurisdictions like the European Union and ourselves are looking how we can alter some of that infrastructure, some of those pipelines, for instance, so that they can carry hydrogen uh, and not just natural gas. Some can be used for multipurpose. There's parts of the blue that don't make some people very happy. There's a concern that not all of the emissions that are related to the production of blue hydrogen are actually accounted for. I'm wondering what your response is to that. Well, we'd have to ensure that they're accounted for. But I'll be very, very clear about this. If people are looking to, if, if the end goal for some people is to shut down the fossil fuel industry, then no, they won't be happy with what I'm proposing. I am singularly focused on lowering emissions everywhere and anywhere I can find them. And that includes in the production of hydrogen. So blue hydrogen, as we see it, and, and as we want to produce it, means the sequestration of, of the CO2 uh, that's emitted. But is, there, is that why there's not a huge emphasis in your strategy on hydrogen from renewables in the strategy? Look, there was some controversy because we included blue hydrogen, and there were a number of people who only wanted to see green hydrogen. So perhaps, you know, blue hydrogen's presence in our strategy is exaggerated simply because it's there. It's there where, where it serves a purpose and where we need it. Um, and it will be particularly helpful in Saskatchewan and Alberta, again, where we've got the resources and we've got the infrastructure. I understand that. And I understand that, that it's, it's important to assure the, those provinces that, that there is a future for them and their workers because of, of obvious insecurities around the industry. But the only guarantee to completely eliminate emissions is to use energy like solar, wind and hydro. So I'm wondering, and really pointed out to me, why doesn't it play a larger role in the strategy? First of all, I'm not, this isn't a matter of politically placating a couple of provinces. These are the people who will build a low emissions future. And I'm acutely aware in this province, in Newfoundland and Labrador, of, of losing talent who understand that this is a very sophisticated and complex business, building, uh, you know, building a new energy industry for this country. So we definitely need them. And, and secondly, in, with blue hydrogen, it uses natural gas. The emissions are sequestered. CCUS will only work for us if they are effectively sequestered. If they are, uh, which they need to be, and they will be, um, and there are no emissions, then I fail to see the weakness in blue hydrogen. Right. But but the other part of this, the, the, the signal that you seem to be sending by not having more of a focus on renewables in the strategy, what, what does that say about the future of renewables? Well, I, again, I would, I would disagree. We're extremely keen on, on developing green hydrogen, as I said, particularly in Quebec, and we're looking at Newfoundland and Labrador as well. It's just that we are included. And out here, too, It's not a zero-sum game. It does not take away from green whatsoever. <laughs> and and to hear out here in B.C. as well, I might And add. out in B.C., absolutely, right. as well, where, you, where you have hydroelectricity and, and where we also have export potential. Uh, you know, it's the Pacific Coast. It, it, it's, the, it's proximity to Asian markets. The East Coast, it's proximity to European markets. Yeah, that's that's a significant advantage for us as well. Well, can you break this down for me a little bit? Because um, we know that money talks. How much is the government investing in each of blue and green hydrogen right now in Canada? 
Well, part of the strength and climate plan was another $1.5 billion. Um, and hydrogen will occupy, I think it's fair to say, a fair amount of that space. Any, do- uh, any dollar number on that? It's a 1.5 low carbon and zero emissions fuel fund. And we're sorting out about how much of that will go to hydrogen. And that provides, I think, a clear signal to, to private industry, you know, that that's the direction in which we're headed, that we are extremely keen on hydrogen. But it's going it, it, to But it'll be less than one and a half billion, obviously, right? Because you're sharing it among different kinds of fuels. Yes. And there's also every expectation that as the years go by, the cost of producing green hydrogen will drop below blue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There is that expectation. Uh, We don't know exactly when that will occur, but the International Energy Agency and others have said that, you know, we will reach that point in time. So we we talked about the fact that you say that the the federal government will be contributing somewhere below $1.5 billion toward hydrogen. Germany, by contrast, is investing, and I know it's a larger economy, $13.7 billion into hydrogen alone. I'm wondering, yes. why do you think they're spending so much more than Canada is willing to commit right now? Um, that's an excellent question. I think that in Canada, we are waiting, you know, we are, we too are kind of waiting to see how the market is going to move, and hydrogen has sped up you know, not even a year. Uh, so, you know, perhaps, you know, perhaps we're just waiting to see exactly where things are going to fall. But, you know, we we want to be aggressive in this sphere as well, because we think that Canada can lead. So just watch this space. Okay, but but let, let's keep on with the focus on Germany for just a second longer, because it, yeah. one of the export markets outlined in Canada's hydrogen strategy is Germany. And Germ- yes. Germany says it wants green hydrogen. So, How's Canada going to be competitive if it's producing blue? And green. <laughs> well, we're not there yet, Minister. We're not producing that much green. Yeah, but it, it, the inference is that there is a zero-sum game, that if I'm going to spend any time on blue or talking about blue, I'm not doing anything on green. I, that is not the case. And, and look, green hydrogen is moving. I mean, if you, know, if you look at, uh, I think it was just February of last year, we announced $50 million in, in green hydrogen production infrastructure in Gatineau, a company called uh, Gazifer. They're building, they're looking at a gas distribution network there. So it's real. It's happening. Green hydrogen is happening. It's happening in Gatineau. I just I want to ask you another thing. I I read and listened to previous interviews that you've done, and you, and you've spoken more than once of the pride you take in the ingenuity that was needed to to get oil out of sand in Alberta, and I am wondering yeah. why Canada shouldn't be using that same level of ingenuity to focus on getting more and more green hydrogen produced to seize the market that is growing right now. I've also said in in several interviews that. You know, people talk about the perfect getting in the way of the good. I want the perfect and I want the good. I want it all. I want I want whatever will effectively lower emissions as urgently as possible. Yeah. And in some parts of the country, um, blue offers up a, a, a more realistic possibility at the moment than green. Um, you know, the private sector is privy to the same information uh, as we are, and they will make investment decisions based on that information. Like, you know, you said earlier, at, at what point will green overtake blue? Um, a lot of people are, are, are watching that before they make their investment decisions. So you will have some that will invest, you know, directly in, in green. You will see some that see blue as something as a, as a viable alternative um, and will sequester those emissions. It depends on, on what part of the country you're in. Right. And you mentioned one uh, green hydrogen project in Gatineau. What other projects should we be looking at right now as examples? In enhanced energy um, in Alberta. 
they just celebrated their millionth. No, I'm talking ton about of green, green hydrogen. Um, uh, watch this space. Watch this space. Shell has announced plans that they want to build a hydrogen partnership facility in Quebec. Um, Thyssenkrupp, I believe, is is the name, and they're a big, big German company, industry leader, and they announced investments in in an 80 megawatt clean hydrogen production facility in Quebec. Things are moving. Things are happening. And I, and Ballard, Ballard now providing uh, fuel cells for uh, for trains for Canadian. Yeah, Pacific, but I'm talking about was... the production of green hydrogen when I'm asking about watching. What, what, where is the space that I'm going to be watching? Is it the government space that I should be watching or industry? Where industry. Is... Industry. We wanted to send a clear mar- signal to the market that we were open to to hydrogen as it worked in any particular part of this country Mm. and in some parts it's blue and in some parts it's green and and we as you said we feel that the price on green is going to plummet and that the demands in in jurisdictions like european union the demands are there for green now even with the concerns that some have about different kinds of hydrogen those people with concerns all say along with you that it has a role to play in our climate future but only with specific regulations, more investment, and a vision for its best use. How big a role do you think hydrogen will play here in Canada? I think it'll play a substantial role because uh, we have the expertise, we have the infrastructure, and we have the resources. So I think, and and we've also got proximity to markets in Asia and Europe. So I think it's going to play a very big role. And I'm also you know, constantly uh, worried with the number of workers in the energy sector, in the oil and gas sector, specifically in this country, hundreds of thousands of people and their families who, you know, are are concerned uh, after this topsy-turvy year and are concerned when they when they see the trend lines uh, going in the way that they're going and the investment going in that direction. But the assurance that I know is that these are the people, exactly the same people who are going to build new industries, who are going to build renewables. I mean, if I talk to you know, the head of the crane operators union in Alberta, I remember very early on in my tenure telling me, you know, whether we're, whether we lift pipelines or wind turbines, it doesn't matter. Good work is good work. Um, you know, as they tell me, we're used to retooling to new projects. We just want to know what we're retooling to. Minister, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate it. Seamus O'Regan is the Minister of Natural Resources, and to clarify, the investment he mentioned in Gatineau was made this year, not last year. Now, you heard Minister O'Regan mention the topsy-turvy year oil and gas workers have had. Richard Booker has helped some of those workers make the move to other jobs. It's his life's work. He's based in Calgary, and we caught up with him there. Well, I think the numbers have been counted in the thousands uh, probably the tens of thousands. It's really decimated professionals, engineers, geologists, geophysicists, supply chain, accounting, finance. And I think the really insidious part of that is many of those positions have gone away and they're not coming back. Uh, and these folks are really, really taking it on the chin. They're applying, 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 applying for positions and getting absolutely nowhere. And so clinical depression is a real serious consideration now. We, You never heard that in Alberta. Not that it wasn't here, but The economy was such where you knew at some point things were going to recover and you could get back to work, and it's not doing that now. So there is some hopefulness in uh, clean tech, in carbon capture, in hydrogen fuel cells. So that's good news. We're starting to see that. The pointy edge of the boat is starting to emerge. The, The downside of it is if you're a startup, you know, there's two people involved in the company right now, and they're busily making themselves viable. They're not hiring anyone. Uh, So it's not a short-term fix. Uh, 
specifically as it relates to hydrogen. If you talk to people that work in the sector, I often hear, yeah, but, and then there's a litany of things that haven't happened or need to happen before it's a viable option. I really see it as both a, a combined effort of industry and government. We have the world's largest, probably most abundant source of what they call green and blue hydrogen. Um, so that's all good. We just don't have a way of getting it to where it needs to, from where it is to where it needs to be. That appears to be one of the major challenges we're facing. And from my uh, uninformed view, I don't see us getting there if we don't have government stepping up and saying, we've decided we're going to make this happen. I think it, 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 I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it seems like it's, it's almost going to be as simple as the government deciding we're going to make this happen and it's going to happen now. And then going to industry partners to see, okay, who wants to play? But we really need to get past talking about it. That does it for us this week, except to say to our loyal listeners that we do know there are many other colors attributed to hydrogen. We've chosen to focus on just the main ones this week. Now, before we go, we want to hear from you. If climate factors into your financial future, do you invest in oil and gas? Or are you actively trying to divest? Email us, earth at cbc.ca. Thanks to everyone who worked on this week's episode. Associate producers Rachel Sanders and Jennifer Van Evra Producers Lisa Johnson and Molly Siegel. Our engineer is Matthias Wolfson. Manisha Janakaram is our senior producer. Our executive producer is Joan Melanson. I'm Laura Lynch. Thank you for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.